0: Love Talk Radio
1: Good morning everyone, welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series I am Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host Today, I will be chatting with musician Jared Padone, and that was supposed to be some music of his you heard, but we'll try it again here in a little bit. I couldn't get it to run. Um, Today's episode is brought to you by Minnesota Functional Neurology, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health rehabilitation in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Amy Zellmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's advisory council. And my second book. Um, embracing the Journey Moving Forward After Brain Injury is currently on Kickstarter. We have one more week left here on Kickstarter, um, but if you want more information on that or any of our previous podcast series, head on over to facesoftbi.com. Today, my guest is Jared Padome, and before September 2nd, 2012, Jared was a full-time musician, recording engineer, and composer. On that evening, while out for a run, he was struck by an intoxicated driver. He suffered a laundry list of injuries, the most concerning of which was the traumatic brain injury. When Jared eventually woke up, he learned that outpatient, physical, and mental therapy understandably left something to be desired in regards to musician's skills recovery. He naturally resumed his career path, and little did he know that creating music was now going to be by far the most significant source of therapy that he'd experienced. Jared has been creating music as Ninth Floor Mannequin and showing steady improvement ever since. So, welcome to the podcast,
2: Jared. Thanks for having me, Amy.
1: Hey, I'm going to see, I'm going to hit play here and see if I can get this to work. And I'll play a few seconds if it does.
2: All right. All right.
1: Yahoo, it worked that time. So that's a little taste (laughs) of Jared's music. And I will play um, the full song for you guys at the very end of our podcast today. But thank you for being here, Jared. I'm so thrilled to have you.
2: I'm thrilled to be on the phone with you.
1: Yeah. So, you know, we got a glimpse of your story in your bio, but I would love to have you start just by sharing with our listeners, you know, kind of what happened. And, um, you know, you were already a practicing musician at the time of your accident. Um, but, you know, were you able to still play when you first awoke? Um, or did you kind of have to relearn that all over again? And I know that music has greatly helped you in your recovery, Um so I guess that's kind of two different topics. So let's just start with, um, your accident and what happened when you woke up.
2: Yes. I'm just, I'm sure you know where I'm coming from with this, but, um, I get asked about my accident a lot. And, uh, the answer is really, I don't remember. I don't remember a thing for about five months. You know, it, it, it's kind of just wiped from my memory. But, um, what I can tell you is I just, you know, I ran every now and then, and I was at the wrong place, the wrong time. And, uh, driver who was on parole and had alcohol and apparently heroin in his system or oxycontin, we're not sure, the toxicology report. But he was zooming around Labor Day and he uh, and he got me while I was running. Um, so that put me into the hospital. And then it's a blur for a while. I don't really, well, I don't really remember that. That I only know from the, uh, the criminal trial. But um, after I woke up, Uh, the foggy memories I have were um, someone my brother knew someone who was making a short film and he knew that I did music for film so he contacted me I somehow managed the emails and didn't embarrass myself and then I ended up saying yeah I could do the music and then I apparently did the music for that film the pixel painter is the name of it it did really uh well it's a cool little film um but I yeah, I I had to relearn a lot of things. I must have I went back to the recording session files and I, I did some some questionable things to uh get that thing <laughs> recorded. So, I definitely had to learn how to be a musician again very quickly because it was going on to recording. But um till the, till today, my left hand is still not quite right. I think it's related to my because I guess my injury was on the right side. My left hand is not exactly that uh agile, so You know, playing guitar is tough. Playing left-hand piano, a little bit of drums is tough. But um, that's why I practice scales and arpeggios on different instruments to get that left-hand dexterity back because it's still not quite there. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a long process, but I'm getting better. I'm getting better at music altogether.
1: So you recorded an entire song or music for a movie, and you have no memory of that. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, I, I don't really remember that at all I I, knew I was in my parents' house I was a few weeks out from uh, the hospital And uh, I got those emails And I wrote some music And I emailed it back to uh, San Francisco, I believe And then uh, I did edits on it But uh, I don't really re- I had to relearn it later But um, you... Yeah, no, I don't remember <laughs>
1: Does your family fill you in at all? Like, do they, like, in that time frame, were you asking the same thing over and over again? Like, were you having short term memory loss, or does this seem it to be more of a long term loss?
2: Um, I never really asked about my day to day memory troubles, but I know from now, even I'm over five years out, um, my short term memory is. Uh, unreliable to say the least as <laughs> right. most of us do I um I write everything down I make special notes, I have all kinds of weird phone alarms at special times to, you know, pay bills, answer emails, you know appear on podcasts, that kind of thing <laughs> so, I mean, my memory is still not great, but, you know, you've learned to work around it
1: Yeah, but I just think that's a really it's a really interesting point, you know, if there's any caregivers listening, you know, that We may seem fine, like clearly you went about recording all this music and you seemed functioning, but here you are, you don't even remember it. Um, So I think that's a really, you know, interesting point to kind of just drive home to people listening. Um, You know, we can present like we're doing fine, but in reality, we're not.
2: Well, that's the beauty of recording. Uh, You can cheat. You can take a lot of tries to get something right. And in that music, I looked at the recording session later, I punched in as much as two or three seconds at a time of that guitar part. Because I'm not really a guitar player. I'm a drummer. And uh, I looked at the recording session. I cheated. I edited that guitar for, it must have been hours and hours and hours. That's a hard thing to play, even now. But you, you find a way around it, and people say, I can't believe play guitar like that when you were out of the house I I didn't (laughs) you know I I faked it so you know you can make it appear like you're just fine but it's all editing
1: yeah wow wow well so in your bio you talk about how um, oh patient therapy really left something to be desired for you in your recovery and so you turned to your music and, I mean, you were already a musician, but I do know that music therapy has been found to be very helpful to recover for everybody, not even just musicians. But in your case, you know, more specifically, like you said, it's helped you get some dexterity back in that left hand. And, um, you know, how how did your path, like how long did it take you, from what you remember, how long did it take you to to get to doing music as therapy
2: well it, it's funny like uh, the, the the day i got home from the hospital and i didn't just dig in my heels and say i'm gonna use music therapy to get better like i didn't think that at all i'm just i was a musician you know that's what i spent most of my life doing learning how to play all these instruments and stuff so you naturally just go home and pick up drumsticks or a guitar or whatever it is and you start doing it again and then I didn't really realize until months after that I was like, this is really helping. You know, this is hard writing songs, recording all the parts and mixing all the music and making sure everything's right. You're happy with the final product. And that was really, really, hard. And I don't, I don't really do anything like that in any other arena other than music. So I kind of unknowingly stumbled into music composition therapy, you know, because music therapy can be a lot of different things. It's, it's not, uh, solely composition based. I mean a lot of people use music therapy as a passive listener almost. You know, and, and it helps stroke victims and other victims recover language and recover memory and all that. Um I was an active participant. I was playing the freaking guitar and the piano and I, I couldn't do it. And after months of being stubborn and vain and um a musician, I I got the hang of it again. So In retrospect, I didn't know it was therapy, but I just kept playing music because that's all I really know how to do. So lucky, I guess.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it is interesting how we just kind of naturally go back to doing what we do. You know, I'm a professional photographer, and when I first fell, I couldn't remember how to use my camera. And it was so frightening the first time, like I realized it, I was like, oh my God, I don't know how, like what, what settings do I need to change? Cause my picture isn't turning out the way I needed to. And it was such right. a scary realization. Like, holy crap. Yeah. I don't remember how to use my camera. Something that I've been doing yeah. for 20 years, you know, it's, um, it slowly came back. It, that took quite some time to come back. And every once in a while, if all the conditions are right, I still don't remember, um, you know, <laughs> like if I'm having a bad brain day, you know. Do, do you ever experience yeah. that too?
2: Yeah, that's that's the beauty of um, the whole experience I have, the, the music drummer thing in particular. Because drummers, I don't know if you know anything about playing music or anything, but um, drummers live and die by the metronome. So (laughs) metronomes, for those of you who don't know, keep perfect time. That obnoxious perfect click that keeps going. And it's your job to be that for the band, to stay perfect. So when you put on a metronome, there's a little number there and a little blinking light that tells you you could do this before at 192 BPMs, and you can't do it at 155 today. So (laughs) you get to see how you kind of benchmark your progress with a solid number. And you, you kind of start to see, like, oh, I had this ability, I lost it, and I got it back, and then I lost it again, and now I'm chasing it one more time, you know, so you get to see that chart of progress. It, it's kind of cool. It, it's a little more tricky with the more creative-based things, like for you, photography, and for me, like, actual songwriting, because you're not quite sure, like, is this good? I don't know if this is terrible. <laughs> I can't re- I can't really tell, but headphones <laughs> and scales, can tell you like yes you're getting better at this one thing, you know so that's kind of interesting that's one of the better parts about music performance therapy you know you get to see your progress with definite numbers
1: yeah you know you talk about the metronome and that was one of my therapies when I finally found Dr. Schmo was an interactive metronome and so I had to clap my, my hands to the, the beep you know the metronome um, and uh-huh. it would give me like a red, a green, or a yellow light, telling me I was hitting ahead, behind, or correct. And holy right. cow, I could not do it. It was <laughs> so that was like two and a half years post injury, and I was like, I was crying. I was so frustrated that I couldn't do it i was like this is simple why can't i do this because i'm not a musician at all but um we used Mm -hmm. to play the game rock band on the playstation and it's all about hitting hitting the instrument at the time you see that little note go by and like i used to be really good at playing rock band on the guitar and the drums which is by no means equivalent to playing a real instrument but my point is (laughs) that I used to be able to like keep the timing right because it's the same thing as the interactive metronome and it was so frustrating to have that like right in your face that you can't do this
2: it's it's so black and white it's just so clear that you could do this and now you cannot do this. You know, a lot of, like I said, creative things, you can say, ah, it's different, you know, maybe I'm different now and I'm like better, different, but like metronome, tell you, no, no, man, you're not there yet. (laughs) You were there, but good luck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that was like, that was the first time that it was like, well, I wouldn't say the first time the the neuropsychological exam was the first time I was confronted with my deficits, but the metronome was just a totally different cuz I related that to playing games, right? Like more recreational. And I couldn't uh-huh. do it and it was just like oh man, this sucks.
2: <laughs> and the funny thing about our situation is there's, you know, the there's actual products from before your injuries to compare yourself to. So yes. the month, I think it was maybe two months before I got hurt. The summer I got hurt in uh, September 2nd, and it was the summer before I recorded a full-length album with this band. And then I'm in my parents' house in my high school drum set, on my high school drum set, trying to figure out what I did. And I was like, what is going on? How come I can't figure out? What was I thinking? What is this song? You know, And you're relearning your own parts that you recorded just three months before. And uh, you kind of get your eyes open to, uh, yeah, oh, no, this was a bigger deal than you think. You really lost some stuff there. This was, you know, just a couple months ago. So you
1: know, and weird, I, I, tell people, I tell people that, you know, who, who have not been through a brain injury, the, I think the most frustrating part of brain injury is that we can vividly remember who we were. You know what I mean? Like that's still fully intact for most of us. And it's like, we know what we used to be able to do. Like in your case, you know, you had just recorded an album a few months earlier Mm -hmm. and it's Mm -hmm. like, we know what we used to be able to do and now we just can't do it. And that makes it Mm -hmm. so frustrating.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, wait, how, how exactly how far are you out? How many years out are you from Andrew?
1: I am almost four
2: years. Okay. Yeah. It's just personally, I, you know, everybody's different. Every injury is different. So I can't say for sure what's going to happen. But um, in my experience, realizing pretty much once I started mem- uh, remembering events after my injury, so like three or four months after um, that, you, you kind of, with every day that goes by, you forget more and more what before was. you know, like, now I'm five years out. Now I'm like, I, I I get a sense of my personality from stories and things that I did. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I did that. That's, that's silly. That's stupid. But um, with every day that goes by, you just get more and more used to what you are now. You know, and I'm just, I, I'm generally the same guy. Temperament's a little bit different, I guess, you know. But with, with every passing day, I, I kind of give up on trying to be like, I would have said this before, so I'll try to say that. Like, I don't care what I said before. I forgot what that dude is, you know, I'm pretty close to what he was. So I'm just going to keep going with whatever I feel like doing now. (laughs) And um, it'll resemble the old guy, I guess, but I'm not going to chase it anymore.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's a key component to recovery is once, you know, I hear so many people in my Facebook group, like they're trying, they're still grieving the old them and until you can embrace who you actually are now, um, I, you can't fully move forward, right? Like you can't move forward if you're still trying to live in the past. And so, like you know, I Band-Aid. think you just you gotta, yeah, you just gotta rip it off. You know, like you just yeah, said Band-Aid's though, like off. you you've given up caring about what you would have done or said before, and I think that's a profound point of. When we can reach that point, point, I think that's when we move forward. Because I know for me, you know, doctors weren't believing me. They were, like, just blowing me off. And, oh, well, you know, it's 15 months. You probably won't get any better. And finally, like, at two years, I was like, okay, you know, this might just be the best I'm going to be. And I just have to learn how to live with it. And I think that's when I actually started getting better was when I made that, when I came to terms with it.
2: Yeah. Of and breathing. for some once of us it's easier than others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, once you accept it, then you just throw away that whole battle of uh questioning second, third, quadruple guessing yourself all the time and you just say, "Forget it. I'm moving on. Don't worry about it." And then you actually start to, you know, build a personality that's uh a little bit more suitable to what you are at this point, you know, instead of trying to fake a different personality. nice to just let go.
1: So, Jared, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, You're you're recording music as Ninth Floor Mannequin, which I do have a link in the show notes. Anyone can um, go and find that. Um, So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now with your music.
2: Okay. Well, what I'm doing now – like I just said a second ago, a minute ago, about second-guessing yourself. I changed the name of it. <laughs> it's 9FM now. It was too long before, so I just sh- shut it down to three characters, 9FM. And um, I'm, oh, I just released an EP a month ago or two months ago, something. Like, I don't know, a few months ago maybe. But um, now I'm always second-guessing this time and questioning. I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I did that good of a job on this little EP. So I think maybe I'll start another one, kind of start the ratings. Again, we'll record another album soon. Um, just to, yeah, and that while well, I do that, I teach music, I teach drums and stuff. Um, I play in a different band. I play drums. Um, I'm you know I'm always and with this project in particular, uh, I'd like to do this. You know, it would be nice to do it all the time, but life. You know, there's money, there's bills. There's actually just bought a house, <laughs> so there's a lot of things to do, um, but I'd like to give a lot more time to this project, record a new album and actually play shows and get, you know, the actual band together and play with people because I have a lot of really talented friends who are into this music that I make and want to play it. But with all the details of life, you kind of put it aside and brush it off and say, "Ah, you know, I got to refinish the floor in the third bedroom, so I can't record music today. I need to, you know, go to Home Depot and get a floor on and put all this off for a little bit." But I'd like to not do that. <laughs> I'd like to give all the time that I can to this project and let it, you know, be my main source of income and therapy and everything else. But that's the struggle of being a musician. It's not easy to do that. So you try, try to figure out a way to, you know, separate your time in a way where you get to cover each base, but, you know, trying best I can. Hopefully uh, something catches on with this project and I can drop some other responsibilities, but we'll see.
1: So the song that, um, you sent me that we'll be playing here at the end, you told me that this is really the only song you've written about your recovery. Um, so can you share a little bit about that? And, you know, what, what made you decide to write a song about your recovery?
2: Um, honestly, uh, I, I remember how that song came about. It was, um, the song that I recorded before it took forever because I kept on second guessing and deleting it and starting over. And then maybe I'll try it faster. Maybe I'll try it slower. Maybe I'll change the key. And it took me like months to use one song. turned out really well, I think. But, um, after that, I was so frustrated with the whole process that I decided I'm going to do a song really, really quickly. um, all my other songs are about weird things like uh the Twilight Zone episodes, a lot of songs about Twilight Zone episodes, my favorite ones the Black Mirror and there's stories about the US Indian, USS Indianapolis or the Bloody Benders, whatever, they're just historical weird stories. And um after getting so frustrated trying to write the last one, my, my fiance told me Why don't you you know, why don't you like write something like about yourself? You know? And I was just like oh, yeah, that's right. I do have a really interesting story. <laughs> I kind of forgot that you know people might want to hear that. So I wrote that song from start to finish and recorded it and mastered it in like 10 days, which is absurdly fast for me because it doesn't wow. take me months to do anything. And it's the only song about myself and the this, that's my most interesting story. And, you know, it's about blood transfusions. It's about being on fentanyl and not remembering it. It's about how uh, you can't really smell or taste and you have decreased senses at this point. So I threw a song together in, in a week and uh, that was it.
1: That's super cool. And, and like I said, I do have the link in the show notes to that cause your lyrics are there as well. Um, so that might be interesting for some people listening. Um, what, how do you describe your music? What style would you, what genre would you say that your music fits into?
2: Oh, uh, every every musician says it, like, oh, it's so hard to, to put the music in the genre. <laughs> it, I'm so like across so many, but really, I don't know indie rock, it's something like that. It's indie, yeah, indie rock, I'd say. But you yeah. know, I'll, a lot of people say you have such a unique sound. You sound so much like you. So I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just rock. It's a guy with the two microphones in a spare bedroom. <laughs>
1: I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Jared, what advice do you have um for anyone listening, whether they're a caregiver or a survivor um or a healthcare professional? You know, what what advice do you have to share for people going through a brain injury?
2: Well, I know I know everyone is different. You know, my my personality I guess is more creative, but the 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 thing that is most important is to find something for you to focus on, to do some to have something to do. You want a final product. You want to chase a finished product. You know what I mean? So if, if like the worst days for me are days when I wake up, I know I don't have anything to do and I don't exercise. I just exist, you know, and those are the days, honestly, you don't want to wake up because there's just no, no reason to get out of bed. but If you have a half-finished song or a half-finished album or you want to finish writing a chapter of something, you know, whatever it is that you do, if you have something unfinished or a goal to chase, then you fly out of bed and then you start doing things before you're even, you know, your coffee's done. Like, you just start. But when you have nothing on the horizon, oh, man, it's the worst. So whatever it is, sculpture, painting, writing, reading, music, Does't matter, find something that gets you a little bit of energy and you know gives you an outlet where eventually you'll have a final product that you can show to people and say, "Hey, look what I did over the last six months. That's kind of great. You know if you don't have that eh, no, it's not great,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I get asked a lot by people how to go about writing their story, and I tell people just write a little bit every day, you know even if it's only two sentences, just make that effort to write something every day, or maybe it's a journal or, you know, maybe it's music or photos, whatever. But like you said, um, you know, just do something every day. Like, you know, most of us have smartphones, right? And so you Mm -hmm. can put some notes in your phone or you can take a picture on your phone. You know, there's so many things we can do. Um, But I think having something to look forward to every day helps us. Like you said, it helps us get out of bed because those days we have nothing to do and we just sit around and think.
2: (laughs) Those are the worst. Oh, it's the worst. (laughs) Worst place to be is inside your own head for too long. Yes. (laughs) Focus on something else. And the beauty about, you know, being in 2018 is everything has an undo button. Like I record this stuff, I must hit the undo button thousands of times per song just because you can, you know. And if you're a photographer and you take 600 pictures and you're like these 12 are so good. I'm so happy that I got these 12, you know, it it makes it worth it, but you know, be ready to waste a lot of time, but that's any craft, anything you feel like getting good at. And you know, it turns out to be therapy. If it has any kind of motor skills involved in it,
0: then it's physical
2: therapy. If not, then it's just emotional, mental therapy.
1: Yeah. That's a great point. That's a, that's a really great point. Well, Jared, thank you so much for being here today. I want to make sure I leave enough time here to play your song at the end. Um, But thank you so much for being here and sharing your story and, you know, just continue making your music. I think this is so awesome that that's what you're doing.
2: Well, thanks. Thanks again for having me. It was wonderful speaking to you. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoyed the songs. Like I said, I'm 9FM now. That's the name of the project. So you could look me up wherever if you like. If you'd hate the song, then just, you know, don't ever look me up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesome. Thank you, Jared. Um, Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. And please stick around. I'm going to play his song called Absences. Um, And I do have a link to his site in the show notes, and you can see the lyrics. And another thank you to Minnesota Functional Neurology for being our sponsor. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. And thank you for listening, everyone, and have a great day.